Welcome to Our Jewish Roots, with Bible teaching from Israel by Dr. Jeffrey Seif. Today, we look at two women of the Bible who were very influential, one for good, one for evil. But I found favor with him. And, and true success is not measured in wealth and power, but in the estate of one's heart. I've never been happier and more fulfilled. I raised him up strictly in the faith, and more. the law and the prophet. And now I want to give something back. I believe Elohim meant it to be this way. She's still a cornerstone of wisdom to the family. But you and are I always see. in my heart. Shalom and thank you for joining us today. I am David Hart. I'm Kirsten Hart. I'm Jeffrey Seif. We are in our series of women in the Bible. And today, you've heard of her. Her name is Delilah. Good or bad? Well, not a lot of good with that yeah. woman, you know. Well, deceitful. <laughs> a tad Des bit, yes. I know. Yes. I, I, I always try to pull something positive from the women that we're talking about, especially ones that are in the Bible. And this is a hard one to find anything good about. I mean, she deceived a, a man of God. It's not, that's tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, She's not very impressive, but we're looking at the good, the bad, and the ugly, and uh, there's a lot of good. Yeah. Uh, and there's some bad and ugly, and this is ugly. At least we can learn from her. Yeah, we'll begin with her. I mean, it's, uh, uh, I just think there's value in taking a look at the book, and I think um, girls today and boys today, women and men, need to look at uh, examples in biblical literature that, that show the good and the bad, and uh, it gives us a window in who we ought to be and how we ought to be. And not be. Yeah, it's just not that That's hard. Right. We mix up all this gender stuff and roles, and there's so much confusion. It's rather simple if you take a look at the book. That's good. We take you to Israel now to hear Delilah's story. Let's go there now. He told me he loved me. Yet three times, lies poured from his lips. I looked like a fool before my people. But finally, after nagging the brute night and day, Samson told me the secret to his great strength. Don't think evil of me. I can't deny I'm profiting from this business venture, and I do care about Samson. Although, love is a pretty strong word. We both have needs, and we both use each other for our needs. In the end, I'm probably saving his life. The Philistines would eventually kill him in battle, but now they'll probably lock him away safely in prison. And peace can finally reign between our two peoples, the Philistines and the Israelites. Just finished raining in the Gaza. Gaza's right off the Mediterranean Sea, and we do get downpours every now and again, and with the break in the rain, we're getting some work done. This young lady's putting out the wash. This fella's taking care of the roof. He'd do well to be careful. People can slide down on wet stone. Everybody's working, and that's good. Well, sorta. This woman was working here. She was plying the world's oldest trade. Reminds me of a story back in Judges chapter 16. 
The first verse we're told, Vayelek Shimshon Azata, and Samson went to Gaza. And there we're told, Vayar Shom Isha, and there he saw a woman. You know, Samson's not the only person in the world that ever got in trouble with the sight of a woman. Seems that he had a particular weakness, however. We're told here, right afterwards, that she was, in Hebrew, zonah, that she was a prostitute. After noting that, we're told, vayovo eleha, that he went into her. And the rest is history. Well, that's his story. Well, in so many ways, on so many days, that's the story of so many others. Men who wrecked themselves by being bested by the darker side of their own natures, by their uh, inability to get their impulses bridled. Better to get a bride to tend to this business. Samson, however, had a different mind on the matter. We're told in the beginning of the chapter that he's in Gaza. Then we're told later on he's somewhere else in a valley and his eyes alight upon another woman, a Philistine, a member of the Pilistim. Philistines came and settled the area. They hugged the coastal plain. And there was a woman that started hugging Samson. The rest, as I noted, is history. Did he fall in love with her? Eh, what is this thing falling in love? You can fall down steps. You can fall down a ladder. It seems to me that love is best construed as a decision. Someone opts to make uh, a woman the object of his affection. A woman opts to make a man the object of their affection. Better it is that there be no sexual contact before a contract that binds them together takes care of them into the future as well as the fruits of the union. Well, Samson has no time to be bothered by talk like that, does, does he? Of course not. He himself wants it, he wants it now. What happens, however, he thinks, like a little fly, he thinks he landed on that flower that he was going to get a meal. He looked at her and said, that's what I'm talking about. I want to get to know her. He thought he was going to get a meal. What happened is he wound up becoming a meal in the process. It all closed up around them. She was doing the bidding of men that were too coward to take care of Samson conventionally. You know the story that uh, Samson was a big man, he was a strong man, and the Pilistim were unable to get the better of him. So, if it doesn't work conventionally, let's look for plan B. Parenthetically, it reminds me of what happens around here on too many ways and too many days. What do I mean by that? Here I am standing in Israel, forces roundabout say, well, we've tried to fight these Israelis conventionally, rifles, tanks, airplanes, we don't do so good this way. Let's go for plan B. Let's do terrorists. Let's go after civilians and let's hide behind women and children and let's get the world all riled up. I don't want to get too riled up. This isn't a political conversation. It's a story here, however, about how the Philistines use sexual appetite to bring a man down. They're whittling him down time and time again. What's the secret to your strength? Well, the secret to his strength is his relationship to his God. The reason why I say that is finally, after a period of wearing him down over time, he says to her, Ki nazir Elohim ani mibet imi, that I have been 
a Nazarite from my mother's womb. My friends, there's a hedge of protection walking under God's covering in a relationship with him. Samson lost that covering. He lost that hair, and that was the beginning of the end for him. And so it is when individuals walk outside of God's covenant covering, it can be the end for them as well. We're going to continue on here and look at women in general and look at issues related to sexuality in particular. Life has been described as a journey. Christian ministers like talking about taking that step of faith. Judaism talks about halakha, the religious way. It comes from a Hebrew verb chalak, which means to walk. Hey, I'm a dad with teenage sons trying to teach my boys how to walk. You know what I tell them? I told my son Jacob at 19, I said, I can spend 19 years trying to raise you right, and I know that the wrong girl could undo that in about 19 seconds. Doesn't take that much for someone to get distracted. In fact, that's why in Proverbs, Solomon, and talk about getting distracted, Shlomo, Melech Israel, Solomon, known for his chokham, his smarts. It's amazing how someone so smart can be so stupid. This is a man that made shipwreck of a life and he can talk about it. In the seventh chapter, he gives voice to how the males of the species can get led away. He notes here in chapter seven, verse six, that there was someone whom he perceived from the window of a house, a young man in verse seven, someone devoid of understanding, who's beckoned in by a loose woman. And let me just say that uh, when I think of this problem, it's a problem with the males of the species, it's a problem with the females of the species, particularly in the modern world where we are so overly sexualized, the stimulation is everywhere. The images, the vision, it just pounds individuals. Well, in the biblical sense, in Proverbs, we're told that wisdom is crying aloud in the street, beckoning individuals to hear what biblical wisdom has to say. And what are we told here? We're warned about the wrong kind of person, the wrong kind of relationship. And here in this story, the seventh chapter, a young man is beckoned in by a woman who says in verse 18, come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Of course, no one's taking in a fill of love until the morning. Uh, they're taking in their fill of lust until the morning. I know individuals that have had a lot of beds, but they haven't had a lot of rest. The soul would find rest if they had a good relationship, not just one where they can satisfy these uh, mutual needs and interests on a temporary basis. We're told here of a warning in verse 23. Here the text says, that man does not know that that affair is going to cost him his life. And that woman doesn't know that if she wants to play that hand and exert that kind of leverage, that she is hurting herself in the process. Both people think they're getting something out of it in the biblical text. Both people are coming to ruin. And there's a warning here that's given in the text, and I want to extend it to you. Therefore, listen to me in verse 24, says the writer. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways, or if it's a woman who's being enticed to his ways. Don't be this way. 
At the end of the day, a woman that needs to lower herself like this cheapens herself in order to get some kind of attention and affection. It doesn't need to be that way. Better to be modest and discreet and let love come at its own time rather than hurry the process. He says here, don't turn aside to this way. We're told in verse 26 that she, this licentious person, has wounded many. And we're told in verse 27 that her house is the house to hell. And many descend into the chambers of death. Let's not be a casualty in this war. Let's not give ourselves over to cheap thrills and deviant behavior. We all have various needs and interests. Better to walk with God, it seems to me, and let him bring the right kind of relationship to bear rather than speed up the process and hurt ourselves in the process. Our resource this week, The Mountains of Israel, complete with eye-opening quotes from 18th and 19th century witnesses, maps, illustrations, charts, and references. This book provides the biblical point of view and a refreshing perspective on the Arab-Israeli conflict. When you contact us, ask for our free monthly newsletter, The Levitt Letter, which is full of insightful articles and news commentary. Call 1-800-WONDERS or visit us at levitt.com. We just want to say thank you for helping us bring these stories to life. It's about women in this series, and it's all been good so far. And I'm a woman. You are. I'm a girl. I'm learning, as we all are. And someone that was a good teacher was the grandmother of Timothy in the Bible. She was an instructor. We don't know much about her. You probably haven't studied her. Here's the story of Lois. I can never say enough good things about my son, Timothy. That's him as a boy when I was teaching him the alphabet. Oh, he was the brightest and the most well-behaved child a mother could ever hope for. I raised him up strictly in the faith, the law and the prophets as my mother Lois had taught me. And as he grew up to become a man, he never departed from our teachings. It is a mother's dream to see her child become successful, and true success is not measured in wealth and power, but in the estate of one's heart. My mother taught me that. She's still a cornerstone of wisdom to the family. And as I see my son sharing his testimony of salvation through our Messiah, Yeshua, words cannot express my joy and gratification. It has been said that it takes a man to build a house. Of course it does. These bricks are heavy. These logs are heavy as well, and it takes a man to put it together. While it takes a man to build a house, likewise, it's been said that it takes a woman to build a home. And why is that? Sticks and bricks, this is one thing, but building up the generation is another thing. And while this can be done in a matter of days or weeks, this work here takes place over a matter of years, and it's mother who's principally responsible. So much of what the children become, they become because of mom. Mazah, look. Aleph, Mem, Tov, the Hebrew word emet, truth. They learn the truth in so many ways. It's mother who teaches, educates in how to write, how to think, how to behave. 
I believe it's for this reason that in the Hebrew Bible, wisdom, chocham, smarts, is personified as a female. Wisdom speaks. She says this. She does that in the book of Proverbs. Shlomo, Solomon, knows a lot about wisdom. In fact, his book starts off in the prologue. My son, forget not your father's teaching and forsake not your mother's instruction. Holding on to mom's instruction is a tad bit firmer. And why is that? Again, because of so much of what the child becomes, they become because of the imprint that mom leaves upon them. In this series, we're looking at women in general. And here, we want to look at the contribution in the education of the young in particular. Francis Xavier said, uh, give me your children for the first seven years. Anyone can have them afterward. Another wise person said once that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. In a moment, we're going to go to a famous rabbi, Rav Shaul, commonly referred to in some circles as the Apostle Paul. And we'll enter into the world of some conversation he has with his favorite Talmidim, a disciple named Timothy. And we'll hear Paul remind Timothy that what he was, he became in large measure because of his mother and his grandmother. And in the process of looking at that story, we'll consider women and how it is they make such a contribution in their children and in the world at large. When people find themselves hard-pressed at the ragged edge of life, they tend to articulate things that have great value to them. Their thoughts run deep, their emotions run strong, and within their cerebral cortex, they, um, they, they, they frame thoughts that so much give definition to the, what that person is all about and what they think. It's for that reason, in part, that when in foxholes, when facing an uncertain future, a soldier is more apt to write a letter to his mother than to his father. And why is that? Discomforted as the soldier is, the tendency is to draw upon memories and emotions of that person that came to him in times of trouble. You know, there's an old song, when I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me. Well, Mother Mary, Mother Sally, whatever. The reason why I mention this at this juncture is because when the Apostle Paul is right up against the grave, when he writes 2 Timothy, he says as much, I've fought the fight, I've finished the race. He gives his valedictory speech. He knows he's at the ragged edge. And he finishes the note signing off to Timothy and saying, thank you very much. But he begins the letter drawing upon memories of a time when he first encountered Timothy. Oh, he's thrilled that Timothy has been so very loyal, so very faithful. When you've lived life for a while, you tend to place a premium on character over charisma. Loyalty is in very high demand and very short supply. When noting his sterling character, 
Paul reminds Timothy where he got it from. In fact, he reminds himself. In chapter 1, verse 5, he says, When I bring you to remembrance, Timothy, who had a Jewish mother, by the way, he says, When I bring you to remember, I remember your genuine faith that is in you, and it's a faith that is in you that was inculcated in you, he says, first by your grandmother Lois, and then by your mother Eunice. And he says, and I am persuaded that it is in you also. With the passage of time, Paul has encountered many insincere people. He goes on to say, as he finishes his introduction, in verse 15 he says, all alike in Asia have abandoned me. They've all turned away. But Timothy, you have been resolute. Timothy was resolute in part because of things that were sown into him when he was younger. Hence, herein we see an example of the value of a woman. That is to say that Paul credits Timothy being who he is because of the women in his world that guided him. Doesn't mean that they just sat down and opened up scrolls. There's some of that because these women opened up the scriptures. It's tragic today. People think, well, I'll just send the children off to a rabbi or to a Sunday school teacher in a church, and it's incumbent upon those professionals to give my kid a, a, a measured religious education. That thought really doesn't exist in the Jewish world, not this world. It's imperative that the family give the child the virtue. It's imperative that the mother inculcate the religious seeds into the next generation. These women did a good job. When we move on in the third chapter, Paul here is encouraging Timothy and us by association to continue in the things that are learned. What can happen with the passage of time owing to pressing exigent circumstances? Things can impinge upon us. We can experience pressures and difficulties that we didn't count upon. But it's good that we draw upon core values in answering the troubles of the day. And it's mother, in so many ways, who instills those values. Well, here Paul says, you must continue in the things that you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you learned them. Certainly you have a tacit inference here to remember your mother's example. The reason why I say tacit is because what's explicit, what's noted then is from whom you learned what? He says in verse 15 that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation. Well, we know that mother guided the fellow. In the process of so doing, there's things that he learned. He's going to encounter Paul. He's going to encounter Jesus. This is a fellow raised by a Jewish mother and a non-Jewish father who's going to come to faith in the Jewish Messiah, Jesus. Before Jesus ever gets a hold of him, his mother did. And he was a wonderful human being. Life can grind away at people. It can grind us into powder. It's good to have a biblical foundation, and it's good to appreciate a woman who helps guide the boys and girls to be the kind of people that God would have them to be.
could be said that it takes a lot of chutzpah to do a series entitled, She Shall Be Called Woman. The word chutzpah is a Jewish word for guts. It is gutsy because the culture is so pathetic, you know. There's so much stupid, uh, confusion, nonsense, fantasy, delusion uh, about men and women. Uh, it's, it's utter nonsense. Uh, when, when I look at the book, uh, I see stories of Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. It's just not that difficult. I believe there's value in taking a look at the book, discovering roles, disco discovering primary purpose, and we take you there, we care to share. I want to thank you for those of you that help us tell the story. It shouldn't have to be told to look at the primary role, but it is what it is. We do what we do. God bless you. Thank you for helping us do it. I, like you, and we all think all three of us, we're lifetime learners. So I appreciate today that you gave us an example of what not to do and an example of what to do, who not to be like, who to also look for to be like Lois and Eunice or... You know, it's, it's a mother and daughter team uh, that were responsible for, for tutoring, right. uh, which raises a whole other issue, by the way. I'm happy to sit at a table and learn from a woman. Uh, the silencing of women's voices in the name of religion is problematic. I can see why people uh, chafe at that in modernity. But you see an example where Paul commends these women for their contribution to the religious education of a young man. And you said something I thought was so wonderful. You said the nurturing mm -hmm. of the next generations. And uh, I think both of us, we're a team in that, maybe time has progressed a little bit, of nurturing our children, especially our grandchildren now, is so vitally important. Yes, and I think, you know, St. Francis Xavier said, and I mentioned it in the program, uh, give me your child for the first seven years, anyone can have him afterward. Uh, the, 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 the effect of a woman on setting the course, the trajectory of young people just cannot be overstated. It, it is extremely important. I was just thinking about your name, I think it should have been Kirsten Lois Hart because you're a nurturer with our family and I think I've learned from this that you're just like Lois. Thank you. A lot you. like her. And yeah. I'm a grandma, uh -huh. an old grandma. But it is, it's a, it's a role to take on that is so rewarding to invest in the children and the grandchildren. Yes, and in the biblical testimony, uh, those women were involved in religious instruction. They knew the literature and they commended to the next generation. Extremely important. It's good. We have one more program in this series. It's time to go. Well, I wish it wasn't time to go, but it people is. can play Rewind. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta go. Hey, listen, as we go, Shalom, Shalom, Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Join us right now for additional content that is only available on our social media sites. Visit our website, levitt.com, for the current and past programs, the television schedule, tour information, and our free monthly newsletter, which is full of insightful articles and news commentary. View it online, or we can ship it directly to your mailbox every month. Also on our website is the online store. There you can order this week's resource, or you can always give us a call at 1-800-WONDERS. Your donations to Zola Levitt Ministries helps us to support these organizations as they bless Israel 
Please remember, we depend on tax-deductible donations from viewers like you.